There's also a way to bring things up with your partner that is clean and self-owned that is most likely not going to elicit defensiveness. Yeah. How can I make it easier for you to give me what I want and listen without being defensive? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that that's really simple. I mean, that's been a game changer in my family mm. with my daughter, with her and her dad. Like, instead of saying, you are this and you do this, it's when this happens, this is how I feel. This is what happens for me. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome to another episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And in this episode, how to listen without being defensive. It's a good one. I have a conversation with a returning guest, Kathy Courtney. Yes, and we talk about non-defensive listening. And you know that you're listening defensively when, let's say, you're stonewalling your partner, when you're reacting to your partner by either Remaining silent, shaking your head, leaving the room, interrupting, or denying your partner's way of seeing things. So non-defensive listening is all about being focused on your partner's communication and trying to gain clarity and understanding about the issues that they are bringing to the table. So it's all about responding, not reacting. And I love my conversations with Kathy. She has so much to offer in the realm of relationship, connection, and deep intimacy. So let me tell you a little bit more about Kathy. She is a relationship coach that works with individuals and couples. She is a relational lover, a communication junkie, and a connection cultivator. She is certified as a relational life therapy coach and a longtime circling method facilitator, as well as an avid student of life. And you can learn more about Kathy at kathycourtenay.com. And there will be links in the show notes to learn more about Kathy. And before we get on to the conversation, I want to remind you, you can learn more about me and my therapy practice, as well as my coaching practice at prepo.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at prepo.toplitsky and also on Twitter. And I would like to get in my appreciation practice for those of you that have recently donated to the podcast financially. I would like to thank Jonathan in California Josephine in Texas, and Marco in Canada. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your financial contributions to my podcast. And if you are interested in donating to my podcast, you can go to my website, prepo.com, click on the podcast page, 
and support the podcast with a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. Oh yeah, and you can go to my website, I forgot to say, prepo.com to sign up for my newsletters. Well, it's been a wonderful couple weeks for me. My son is home from seven years of living in Europe, and it has been a love fest. I'm really enjoying him coming home and going to make his life here with his fiance, Emma, and she's going to join us in about a month. So, yeah, everybody, just really take it in. The people around you, you know, really show the love that you want to express because life is so short. You know, you just want to just shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are going to work out fine if you only will. Do as I say. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are going to be much better if you only will. Mm-hmm. Yes, they will. Thank you, James Taylor. Okay, everybody, here we go. My conversation with Kathy Courtney. How to listen without being defensive. Yeah, let's talk about it. Happy summer, Kathy. Happy summer, Prepo. Yeah. I love the summer. Yeah, what do you love about the summer? I love the heat sun. I love the lusciousness of the green around here. I love tomatoes in the garden ripening. Mm. What's not to love? Summer love too? Oh yeah. Lots of good summer love. Mm, good. <laughs> good. Well, thanks again, again and again for wanting to share and, and converse and especially about this topic. Um, for me and my life and my work, uh, this topic is uh, apropos about how to listen without being defensive. So I love that you want to journey with me on this. Mm, absolutely. So what do you think some of the main focus or components need for when people are really uh, recognizing that, okay, we're just being triggered, we're going back and forth, I'm being defensive, my partner's being defensive, what what uh, do you think people need to focus on to shift that? Well, I think the very first thing is is for people to understand and gain awareness about when they're feeling defensive. So before they go down the road too far of expression from that defensive place, to to know the physical signs that they're feeling heated and triggered. So that's number one. Then it's knowing how to take full responsibility for your own trigger and how to soothe yourself. So whether that's, you know, we can dive into different techniques and things, different things for different people. Mm-hmm. So taking radical responsibility for that defensiveness and taking the time to self-soothe and come back to some form of ground. And why do you think it's so difficult for people to take that kind of responsibility and and yeah, ownership. Well, I think there's multiple reasons. Um, 
sometimes when we're defensive and we get to have like unbridled self-expression and uh, there's something that feels good about it, let's just be honest. Like, it's like addicting. Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, like you get this hit, you all of a sudden, all your protectors are on, on board and you get to really, you know, lash out and, and it, it feels good to the ego. I'm being authentic. I'm just telling you how I feel. Okay. So I think, I think that's why, um, but also, wait, what was the original question? Why do you think people have a difficulty like taking ownership? Yes. I think also, um, you know, it takes a lot of self-awareness and self-work to understand where are those triggers coming from, where were they originally inserted, you know, to understand what's actually happening in their whole neural system, why they happen. I think it's just hard. People, especially if there's a history of, or there's like resentment building up and now we're in a, in a like an ongoing consistent pattern of triggers and defensiveness. It's really hard to be the first one to step off of that train and say, hey, hang be on a minute. Vulnerable enough and courageous enough to not protect. It takes so much courage. Yep. So much courage. So it it requires like really pulling on board your wise adult self, your cortical brain, and really, you know, taking like a courageous, determined step to break out of the cycle of it. Sometimes I look at it as like, okay, there's the emotional response and there's a rational response. The rational response has to be online somehow. Like I got to be able to recognize the emotional response. I, I don't know th th some analogy of, you know, purposely driving a little reckless. But the next thing when I recognize I'm driving reckless, I know how to put the brake on. I know how to re-steer myself. Exactly. And I think that that's part that that people they choose that path unconsciously to just go down the emotional reaction as opposed to wait there's another reaction that will bring me online and connection will bring my partner towards me instead of pushing them away yes 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 and the thing for people to know is that nothing good and productive comes out of defensive conversation it is basically our adaptive children having a power struggle and there's no intimacy that comes out of that. There's there's just more pain and suffering. You can't take back what you say. Hmm. And it creates more and more damage over time. Yeah. So if you want a healthy relationship, then you have to take responsibility for that. No matter how many, you know, if you've been like, I don't know, I remember back away in the past, it's almost like you could make slash marks on the wall of every time your partner did this wrong or that wrong. You know, when you're like tallying up mm -hmm. the, the triggers and the arguments and the way you've been slighted, like it, that's not helpful. It's like, it doesn't matter how many times that's happened, you have to pull yourself out of that and do something different, take a different pathway. Yeah. Because when one person takes a different pathway, the system's got to shift. It's a different dance. What fucking direction? I have no idea. But it's going to be different. So you might as well take some agency 
and know like I got to do something different. Just do something different, right? Like yes. You're saying. yes. You know, yes, yes. I had this realization. I said it on another podcast with Greg. But I had this realization about when I become defensive in in my in my uh, interactions with Rainbow, I forget the the pure. I'm not defending my relationship. If I truly would be like to take the word defensive and instead of it being bad, you know, in some way, like it's not good. Can I defend my relationship? Meaning, can I? What's the what's the sacredness of the connection? If I'm defending my relationship and I'm not being defensive, I'm mm. taking care of it. So, I think for me as a man, there's something about like that protection. I'm let me defend my relationship mm. and not assert an attack by being defensive. And I don't got it down at all. But man, when I bring that into my consciousness, it feels really good. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, the word protect feels more like a higher vibration than defend. So what I'm hearing you say is like you're protecting the we, you're protecting the system, you're protecting the ecosystem. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like if you're in a defensive position all the time, defending the individual, you're definitely not working for the relation, the relationship. Right. And it's just hurting yourself over and over and over again. Exactly. Right. And my sports analogies always come up around that. Like when, when, when you're in, in the defend mode, you're, the team is defending. So defending the goal or it's defending, you know, guys are around the goalie to make sure that the goal doesn't come in. So there's something about that, that aspect mm -hmm. of like, protecting and defending what's important and what's a priority. Mm -hmm. So that's just another way, you know, for me when I can recognize that I'm actually doing the the the, the kind of energy of defense that I don't want. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about it is when you notice in yourself, it's basically showing you where you're not free. Mm. Tell me more about that. Well, if I'm trying to defend something and I'm feeling that energy of defense, it means that there's something unresolved in me. There's some block. There's some trigger that's still inserted. There's some wound that's not yet healed. There's some way that something's exiled in me that essentially means that I'm not in wholeness. So anytime I get defensive, it's an opportunity to look a little bit deeper, maybe not in the moment of defense, right. but, oh, interesting. I seem to be defensive around this thing. What does that actually mean? Like what's actually happening in me? What am I protecting so intensely? Yeah. Right. So it's a great doorway for more inquiry and freedom. Yeah. But unfortunately, when you're in the thick of it and it's happening over and over again in a partnership and it's the water you're swimming in, chances are it's kind of hard to, to do that. Right. So... What does that take? It takes stepping away, doing some self-soothing, being sure that you are, you know, getting support around whatever that is. But I think it would be helpful to talk about, like, what can we do in the thick of it? Mm -hmm. And actually, right before we were talk, we started recording. You were talking about seeing couples that are getting triggered at the same time, right? And that's yeah. when it's really hard, right? Yeah. Like the standard rule is if 
whoever is more resourced in the the rupture or the argument that's happening should be the one to take leadership in that moment and say, hey, this is not going well. Let's take a time out. Let's take a break and come back in 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. Or, you know, do something to soothe the other partner or whatever that is. But if if neither partner is feeling resourced in that moment, that's when it gets really, really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, what I hear from some people is when they're then resourced or they come down, they don't want to rock the boat and start up again because their experiences that just flares up and it just goes back to where it was. They're not really doing the repair work that they realize uh, when we do come back and we come back in this manner, it actually moves and we become more close to each other and more connecting. So I think like that's key that people also have the efficacy and the experience that when they do come back, they're not just flaring up again and they're not, they're not just trying to rehash it in a, in a similar way. They got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Take fucking turns is one, mm-hmm. you know, let mm-hmm. one person go. And mm-hmm. I know when I'm in a good space of just listening and you do this so well with your circling and the focus of stay focused on the person that is speaking, what are their needs, being curious and interested in what's going on for them. I don't have to argue realities. I don't have to think of mind the mind. That's not what I said. That's not what I did. Try to be more curious and interested. And if I'm not even that, at least try to combat any of the self-talk that I'm having. And I can just like breathe and whether it's reflecting back what I heard, taking a note of what my partner's saying or the person's saying. So I think like there's that effort of awareness of it's not my shit right now. And my focus is on you. How can I understand you? Exactly. You just summed all of that up really well. Um, So I just want to reiterate some of what I heard was really when you're ready to come back and actually do the repair and not get right back into the defensive banter back and forth or whatever it is, it really requires a generosity and a willingness to actually listen and to watch your own mental chatter, watch yourself when you're trying to figure out how, to, how you want to respond Watch yourself when you start defending quietly inside of yourself and keep using your breath to come back to an anchor of presence and knowing, holding the knowing that, like you said, there's no right or wrong. It doesn't matter. It's n- you're not there to argue what's true because 50% of most people's memory is inaccurate anyway, mm. so it doesn't matter. What matters is connection. So, you know, paraphrasing and and checking, did I get it all, sweetheart? Like, is there something I, I missed in that? And and really, like when you put your intention in that space of getting their experience and really listening to understand, even if you don't do it perfectly right, the energy of it or the intention of it itself is a soothing, the other person really feels that. And so little by little, Hopefully, if you're doing it with that intention, they can start to open and soften. And it doesn't take a whole lot for someone to finally get like, oh, okay, they're listening. They're listening to me. And then you take turns and it can happen back and forth. Yeah. And 
and how do you uh, do you recommend you know that it's okay that it doesn't happen right back and forth right after the first person goes when people are good at that you know but space between that is is good to let that sink in so that if if i get to express what's going on for me and i feel heard now i have room for the other person but i might need more digestion around that and the way that i think about it a little bit is i'm a per- person that deserves respect and to be listened to because i make it easy for my partner to listen to me so i'm going to create an environment for that and it's not right now it can be tomorrow or tonight to just have the confidence that i know i'm going to be asked to be heard i just gave it to you so of course if i ask and say hey i'm really wanting and needing and ready if you're willing to go ahead and hear me out mhm right so like getting consent and checking in and when you're holding an agreement of like of of actually doing repair and holding that space for each other and and really trusting that you will then check in or maybe you even need to say you know could i have just a couple of hours to let this settle and then i would love to hear more about your experience how would that be for you mm-hmm. it's like it's creating win-win situations yeah So that's a really good, great way of doing the repair and I agree with you. You don't have to do it like right off to the other. But when you get good at it, you do. But when you get really good at it. Yeah. When you get really good at it, it doesn't always even require both people being heard. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's the true. cool thing about it. Yeah. It really is. There's a co-regulation that happens with just one expression and one person listening. Yes. Yeah. Like if, you know, if I'm sharing well when you did x this is what came up for me and 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 i'm actually even owning my experience and and you know i realize that that's something from before you that's something from when i was a kid and it triggered that thing in me and then i felt really scared and then you know my i started to just want to protect myself but i was really scared and then you know your partner is like oh that mm-hmm. makes total sense why you would feel that way i didn't mean to make you feel that way and sometimes that's just enough yeah but then to get to that place of listening like i feel like we've jumped over a yeah, whole that section that trigger that trigger around that mm-hmm. yeah so should we back up and talk about that yeah to talk about the differentiation of self soothe people get the concept oh, in that minute that people in that a precise second that both people are triggered interrupting each other talking over each other what do they do in that moment yes well that's that is the time to take the time out whoever can first say hey time out pause this is not going anywhere good you know those oximeter uh, oximeters that people put on their fingertips to show how much oxygen they have yeah the, uh, the gottmans to uh to this exercise where you actually put a timer at 100 beats per minute when people's um beats per minute go up because that's when flooding happens so it beeps so there was times where I would put it on couples fingers and when they get you know intense it goes beep 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 and it's like the the thing is okay beep 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 means take a couple breaths wow. and come and it, they would you know 
10 seconds later, beep, beep, beep. Uh, they had to recognize, like you said in the beginning, to be aware when they were getting flooded. Because a lot of people aren't aware at all that they're getting flooded and they just go over it. I want one of those. Yeah, pages. right? Yeah. Everybody should have one. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So like learning first when the trigger's happening. Yeah. So, you know, the typical thing is heartbeat raises, like you were talking about, sweating, your face getting hot, um, your body tensing and feeling rigid. Um, you desire to want to look away or not be not be present with the person. Exactly. Yeah, the contempt, like yep. shaking head. And- yep, so all of those different things. So when you're starting to notice yourself doing that, or maybe even your partner's doing it, and then it's, hey, Let's take a time out. But I feel like it's helpful to have that agreement ahead of time. So if you are in a relationship where you are fighting a lot and this defensiveness is happening a lot, in a moment that's not a defensive moment, bring it up to your partner. You know, I heard about this thing, timeouts. I would really like us to try that. I listened to the podcast with Kathy and Prepo. (laughs) And that's a really good thing, even though I've heard that over and over again. Let's try that. Yes, try it. Yeah. So, but the agreement you're saying is that that's that's right on to say the agreement is we need to take a pause. Yes. Not you need a timeout. You're you're escalating, right? No, we we need to take a timeout. That is such an important point. Right. Yeah. You are a system. It's working, you're working together. It's the dynamic between you. It's nobody's one particular person's fault. So any, yes, absolutely. We need to take a timeout. So once that's established and you agree on the amount of time, which can always be revised, right? But you agree on an amount of time. I think there's different things to do. I personally like to breathe. And for me, I either use box breathing, which is in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. So it creates like a box. Or I like to implement slow breathing in through my nose and out either through my nose or my mouth with really long exhales because that actually activates the um, the parasympathetic nervous system. So it brings you away from fight or flight. Um, For some people, they need to walk. I mean, there's a lot of energetic charge. And so maybe moving the body is more useful. I love the shaking. I shake and and make sound. Mm -hmm. Move the energy out, Mm then not let it get stuck. Mm -hmm. Rainbow loves to go out in the garden. And she's in the garden and in focus. And yeah. Yes. So... Whatever you, whoever's listening to this, whatever you know is your go-to for calming yourself. Whatever you can do to calm yourself. Even putting a hand on the stomach and the, ch- and the heart and the chest. That's that another brings one. cortisol levels down like that. That's another one yeah. for sure. Right. So I and think- Instead of, let me um, ask you this too. Like instead of what most people do is they ramp up by ruminating and thinking about, they think their pause is- is I need to really think about it, but instead what they do is they think about what's going wrong, what their partner is doing, and a little bit of the blame. They're not actually going to the body to regulate the body. Because the thinking process of the dynamic is what's happening. We can't make sense of that until the body is regulated. Regulated. Yeah. Yes. So 
really what you're talking about is nervous system regulation. Yeah. And in front of the other person, right, too. And in that way, in that moment, there's got to be a regulation in that moment to recognize that you need your own time. Mm-hmm. So you mean to do those things in front of the other person? Well, I mean, just even the moment that, that one of you says, hey, we need, we need a time out. There's a regulation that's happening right at that split moment together. Or what that one person takes care of that relationship by saying we need to do it. So there's a, there's a little bit of a regulation at the moment of connection that you're still connected instead of throwing your hands up and, and go, we need it. I'm, I'm out of here or. That's absolutely yeah. right. It's a moment of attuning and regulation. So, and, and you may even that moment when you have that pattern interrupt of we need to take a break you know, knowing that that is for the benefit of the relationship. Yeah, you're exactly right. And maybe even taking a moment to just take one inhale and exhale before you separate and go do your things and find your way to regulate. But I love what you said about the ruminating and like really stopping yourself from doing that because that's just going to continue that sympathetic response, sympathetic nervous response. And if it if it's helpful, like to journal it out a little bit, mm -hmm. like if you need a, a bit of a dump. I think everybody has a slightly different way that they that they do that. So it's important to experiment. If you haven't done that before, try different things. Um, and then at the end of that period of time that you agree on, if you haven't quite found your way to regulation yet, you need to come back to at the time that you agreed upon and say, I think I need another 15 minutes. And knowing that like the the goal is to come back as soon as possible to do the repair. Don't leave it out trailing like later. Oh, we'll hell do, we'll, no. we'll, we'll do it later. Later doesn't happen. And the person that's left in that way, they feel abandoned and there's more anxiousness. Cause like you're saying, if the person does say, Hey, let's get back in 20 minutes. They come back in 20 minutes, say, I need another 15. The other person now can feel trust. It's like, oh, you came back when you said you were. You need more time? I'm going to give me more time because you are going to come back when you say you are instead of mm -hmm. you don't come back when you say you are, so why should I even give you that 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Yes. So, um, so even the two things that we've talked about, about like self-soothing and then also how to listen when you return to the repair. Those two are game, like huge game changes. Um, but one piece I'll also add that I've been experimenting with is sitting back to back with your partner before you start talking and even just breathing together without words, just slow inhales and exhales and trying to regulate to the same breathing rhythm so you're connected physically, so your physiologies are kind of coming down at the same time or in, in, in sinking. It's sinking up, attuning right. to one another. Um, I think that that's really helpful. And then creating that space of listening. And, and for some people, it's helpful to put a timer on that. You know, because, you know... I think one thing that you said earlier that triggered something for me is sometimes I say, you know, it, it's really important for me to be able to listen well. And I'm starting to notice, like if it's, if it just goes on infinitely, yeah, 
Right. I'm starting to notice that I'm having a hard time to still listen. I think that's, a, you bring up a good point, but I'm going to be a little bit, you know, gender focused. So many men get glassy eyed really fast because they don't know how long it's going to fucking be. And so they don't stay present. It. Yeah, I'll say it. We do that. We're like, how long do I have to fucking listen to this thing? If I know three minutes, five minutes, job description, I can do that. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, that's it. I'm excited to <laughs> to think about that. But yes, I think that that helps a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, because we can say what we need to say in that kind of time frame. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I also like I, I'm also thinking about folks that haven't done a whole lot of that. They might not exactly know why they were triggered. That's the other thing. So even if you don't know, oh, it reminded me of, you know, in my family system, I was always the one that was, you know, not overlooked and and so I felt discarded. And, and so in the conversation with you, I was feeling triggered because I felt like you weren't seeing me. Not everybody can put those pieces no. together. But what they can say is I was feeling scared. I was feeling attacked. I didn't feel your care for me. Um, I felt small. You know, you can keep it more simple. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. You can keep it simple and just make sure that you're tuning into your own experience of what's happening instead of the motive that you think that your partner, right? There's difference, you know, it's the simple thing. Um, you made me feel scared as opposed to I feel scared. Yes. And so a lot of people aren't even aware of that you made me, you make me is not at all a healthy way of communicating your feelings. Well, this is a really good bridge to the next point, which is there's also a way to bring things up with your partner that is clean and self-owned that is m most likely not going to elicit defensiveness. How can I make it easier for you to give me what I want and listen without being defensive? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that that's really simple. I mean, that's been a game changer in my family mm. with my daughter, with her and her dad. Like, instead of saying, you are this and you do this, it's when this happens, this is how I feel. This is what happens for me. You can't argue your experience it's what's, it's what's happening inside of me in relation to something that I'm experiencing. You know, what, what's, what's it like for you? And then you give your partner an experience, uh, a chance to share their experience. It's a very different thing if I'm sharing 100% from my own experience than making you wrong for something you did. Exactly. Because then people automatically listen in defensiveness because mm -hmm. they are getting attacked. As opposed to what I'm hearing you say is you start off with the focus of what the behavior was and then you jump back and you come back on your side of the net and this is how I was affected by it. This is how I feel. You spend more time on your side of the net of your experience and less time telling the other person what they did, didn't do and what they need to do and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. What's something you get defensive about? Um. My, I think a little bit of my core wound around interpreting 
interpreting some things as I'm not good enough. Like uh, I didn't do it right. You know, I, I bring this up, but it's like when, when Rainbow will ask, even ask a question of like, uh, you know, did, uh, did, did you clean, you know, the bathroom tub? And I'm thinking, what do you mean did I, did I clean the bathroom tub? Was I supposed to clean the bathroom? And sometimes all it is is she just asked. She wants to know if I did, then that's cool. If I didn't, she would do it. So I interpret it as, oh, I didn't do it right. I didn't do it enough. Instead of she just asking me a fucking question. Why can't I just answer it? So I think I got to watch my interpretation of what I believe that she is complaining about um, as opposed to being more curious and, you know, find out what it is that she's asking instead of taking it so personally around that. Because that's... I grew up with that kind of defensive. There was a lot of um, passive aggressive in my house, uh, suppressing and letting it come out sideways. And so, you know, being on guard about that, but underneath it is, is the feeling of, uh, yeah, that I'm, I'm not, I'm not a good enough partner at that moment or I'm not a good enough man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you might have grown up in a similar household to me because <laughs> mm. it's similar for me. It's it's when I, I perceive that somehow I'm being seen as not competent or not good enough or, and it's funny, your example of about the bathtub, I might do the same thing. Like I, I assume that there's some criticism behind it. Right. There's a lot of us like assuming that can go on in that kind of situation which is also a really good point because I think it's easy for us to assume things and make interpretations of things and get defensive about that when we haven't even stopped to check what was really intended or meant, you know, like in that situation. Mm. I I did clean the bathtub or I didn't. And do, would you like me to? Or why do you ask? Mm-hmm. Or... Is it upsetting to you? And if it is upsetting, I have to be okay with hearing that it's upsetting. Like that's the part I think is 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 another level of being able to uh, stay connected, differentiate without trying to, you know, if if you're if if it's our dialogue together, if you are angry or upset about something, instead of me trying to soothe your anger, I got to kind of like allow you to have it. And, in some way and just witness it so therefore I've got to self-soothe while I'm watching your anger I and, love it and that's that part of the emotional um, regulation and the rational regulation like that's happening a little bit at the same time I'm feeling my emotions I'm feeling jacked but wait a second let let Kathy have her experience and let me just not interrupt and hold it like there's those circuits are going back and forth yes the fact that I get to have, like, I get to have anger because that's that's my experience. No. And it doesn't mean that, like, you have to, A, be 100% responsible for my anger, but that, or that you have to change it. Like, I, I need to just express that I feel angry. Yeah. How many times do we try to change how someone's feeling to Man. protect ourselves? Man, Rainbow and I wanted to do this podcast. We're probably going to do it because she said... We had some uh, family last week come over, and at the last moment they were visiting. 
my aunt hasn't visited our house and Rainbow wanted to make that house just, you know, just so, so beautiful. And at the last moment, she's freaking. She's starting to freak where she's like getting angry and screaming. I'm like, what? I'm like, I have no idea. She's in the bathroom going, fuck, fuck. And I'm like, what, honey? What? And she's like, just, just let me be. And I'm like, no, you got to tell me what you need. So I go, would you just stop? And she's, and she's escalating in her, in her even like scream. And I'm like, what? I want to help you. And she goes, that, just stop. And, <laughs> and it was so, and I finally got it. It was like, she just needed to freak out. She didn't need, I wasn't being supported the way that she needed to be supported. Mm-hmm. I was just like trying to rationalize. What do you need? Instead mm-hmm. of just like, let her have her shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked one time, she didn't answer. So, okay, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And it, it was funny because, you know, it, uh, it, it eased on its own. Like, yeah, there was this moment and we took a break and, and then a uh, half hour later or something, I came up to her and I'm like, whoa, we just had a moment. And she, and she looked at me and she said, and we're going to discuss that on a podcast. And she said <laughs> it in a joking, sweet way. And I think that's a beautiful way all of us to know like, okay, we got to address it, but we're not going to let it stop the connection of having this beautiful time in this moment together in our family, we can shelve it. Yes. And I think like that's another level to be able to know we're going to get to it. We don't, that's the self, we both self-soothed. Yes. Yeah. And you can trust that because you've had years of, of returning back to repair exactly. and, and you two can count on that ability in the two of you. Cause you've worked that muscle for a long time. Yeah. I, you bring up humor and, I think that that is so extremely important. There are going to be these moments, you know, of like the one that you just described. Um, it, it brought up for me a moment where we were flying and I happened to be on a wheelchair. I'd, I'd um, tore my meniscus mm. back in May and went out to Montana and had to use the wheelchair and I had crutches at the time. And on the way back, um, my sweetie was pushing me in the wheelchair. Now we have an incredibly different pacing. I'm fast, I like to be early. I like to leave a lot of time for flying in the airport and travel. And he just goes slow and steady. That's his saying, slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> and I'm in a wheelchair, so I don't even have like- you have no control. <laughs> it was, it was, no agency. It was hilarious. <laughs> but at the time, it wasn't hilarious. I was getting more and more frustrated. And so we had this moment where he tried to make a joke. And I literally said, no, <laughs> like, no, don't do that right now. <laughs> but we got on the plane and everything was fine. And we looked at each other and we just burst out laughing. Hmm. And, you know, I think that's because there's been enough really healthy communication and enough repair and, and enough and, appreciation. Uh, so much yeah. cherishing and appreciation. Right. There, there's got to be a balance of all of those things. And it, it gets really hard. And I feel so much empathy for those couples that are just Deficient. caught in these really quick cycles. And every day or every other day, there's a landmine to step on. Um, hmm. I really do feel really a lot of empathy for that, especially when there's kids too. And there's like 
pressures and stresses mm -hmm. and it they you know everyone's having a very hard time finding that self-regulation yeah i mean that's when you really need to get support that's right yeah um and do something different and do something different mm -hmm. we have to be able to recognize when the things that we've been doing the same way for so long that have been creating suffering, that there's actually other ways. Yeah. And it's not just sucking it up. Sure, at times you let it go, but let it go. But most of the time, you need to just be able to do something to be able to address it in a connecting way, not just suppress it and just think it's going to go away. That's right. It. So for those of you that are listening that are actually in that kind of situation, it's time to do something about it. Like, mm. it's not good for anyone. It's relationships should be joyful meaningful cherishing you know safe places um and if they're not then you know chances are your dynamic is i mean that's the good thing about a dynamic it's not you it's not the two of you necessarily it's it's your adaptations kind of conflicting with each other um very simply put so if you can get enough help to understand what exactly is happening in the dynamic, these these skills, hopefully listening to this will help a little bit. But the first thing is to really recognize when you're caught in it and have a pattern interrupt, do something different, get support, learn to listen. Yeah. And I like that focus of recognizing what I'm doing different as opposed to thinking about all the things that my partner is doing or should do because that's where it it just goes awry when i'm when i'm spending more time thinking about what my partner should be doing and not doing and trying to fix them instead of hey if i have one percent of this bullshit let me own my one percent and just focus on that exactly because that, i think that's how people inspire each other the, the way couples get each other to move to change is hey, I'm going to do my change. You're going to be inspired by it. You'll do your change by being inspired and I'll, and I'll be inspired by your change. <laughs> exactly. Not telling you what to do constantly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you do do the change and you really, really do, like not just a little bit of it, but like you really take ownership of your part in it and the partner doesn't change, well, then it's time to have an assessment of is this still the right relationship for me? Exactly. But yeah, I think you're right about the inspiration that does, that happens all the time. One person makes a change and then, wow, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. My partner responds differently. Like, I mean, even it's not the, rocket science. It's not rocket science because it's even simple in the way of if I really want to be heard, the best way for me to do that is give you what I actually want myself. Yes. So let me hear you and let you have that experience of what it feels heard. You would want to give that to me. Yes. And I think like that's a dynamic too of like get out of that selfish aspect of there there is a law of the universe. Whatever I want, I got to give also. Yes. Yeah. And that's actually also brings up something else for me when I'm hearing you say that is you know, in couples work, we talk about finding leverage. What's mm. the leverage? What's the reason why I want to make this change? Why, like, why do I want to do something different? Why do I want to, what is the thing I'm connected to that would actually 
lead me to be vulnerable and be the first one to show my hand or make the change. And that's really important to connect with. Is it because you have children that are watching you mm-hmm. and they're learning? They're learning from you every day. Every day. Every day, absolutely. So think about your children. Um, do you want to wake up five years from now and still be in that same dynamic? Just really take a moment to connect with yourself and feel into that. Like, what do you really want? What kind of relationship do you really want to experience? How do you, you know, sometimes I, I think it's helpful to, sometimes I have people write an aspirational story. Mm. So look ahead, a year ahead, and you've done all the work necessary and you wake up and actually write out what your day feels like from the minute you wake up until the minute you go to sleep. And what does your relationship feel like? What's happening? What are you feeling? What are you noticing? What What's the environment like? And connect them with the like where they want to go. You know, it's a really good way. And as soon as people can connect with that, well, then the next thing that comes up is where you actually are and what are the blocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's good to to do whatever it takes to reconnect with what you really want. And it's great when it's an overlap that both of you want something similar. Yes. And that's a good realization to know we both want it. We're just not doing it the way to get it together. Yes. So we have to figure out as a team how to get what we both want and need. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So I have a question for you. Mm. So when you were feeling ahead to this podcast and and wanting to give this information to to the listeners, was there anything else about this conversation about defensiveness that that feels important to share or bring mm. forward? Well, I think what's coming up for me is hmm, so much is coming up for me, but around generosity mm-hmm. that I think when when I'm caught up in defensiveness and when I see people caught up in defensiveness, there's there's such a lack of of just lack, lack of connection, lack of love, lack of generosity. And so to me, the word generosity comes up that I, I would like people and myself to to think when I'm when I'm letting go of the dynamic around defensiveness, I'm I'm being generous mm. of myself mm-hmm. and of the relationship. And that feels so much better mm. that I'm feeling that I'm being generous of offering really to listen, that I'm being generous not to blame, mm-hmm. that I'm being generous to to open up to another reality than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that just breeds just so much growth and expansion in a relationship. So I think that's something that I want to express, let people mm-hmm. know, like dropping defensiveness, you're going to get so much mm. from that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, defensiveness is just basically the ego you know, trying to live and not die. <laughs> yeah. And and it it's, you know, believes we're separate. And so when you bring up generosity, I also go to and you talked about scarcity because it it's also like coming from a place of scarcity. But the opposite of that is really feeling abundant. 
you know, and so taking moments in the day to even put your hand on your heart and say, I have everything in this moment. Everything is okay. And, and like, let yourself feel love, even if it, if it requires conjuring up the image of your, chi- your youngest child or somebody that you feel easy love toward. And then feeling that love, the energy of love for yourself. And just reminding yourself that, that you really have everything you need in this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you really activate and work with more of that abundant mentality, then generosity comes more easily. Yeah, that's true. So all of this, all of these things takes, again, like a responsibility, self-awareness, tending to your side of the street, doing the self-soothing work, remembering to protect the relationship and not so much yourself, like defend yourself, defend the relationship. I love that one. Mm. Learning to listen, knowing that when you listen deeply, it's like it's an act of love. It really is. That's an act of love. Taking time to let your partner digest, you know, the being listened to and asking, you know, would it be okay if I shared? Yeah. And and that part of self-soothing is so critical because f- from a physiological standpoint, if I'm in flight fight, my hearing goes th- th- turns down. That's the 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 blood flow goes towards the muscles to run yes. or to fight. So the hearing actually we don't really hear well in those moments. We're not hearing accurately at all. Yeah. That's not where the energy of focus of the body is. So it's also also recognizing like the only way I'm going to be able to hear is to be able to soothe, regulate myself. Yes. And just the basic aspect of listening, I just think is just so important of recognizing am am I in my own shit, in my own interpretation, or am I truly listening to you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. An image just came up from, I took this uh, course a while ago, the neurology of the of relationships and um, how we literally flip our lid is what they, how they describe it. So you're in your, in your lower brain centers that are literally checking for safety, like multiple times a second. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And that's like kind of checking the body for safety. But when we can soothe, and like recognize that's happening, then we're able to access our our frontal cortex where we're making, where we're, like you're saying, we're able to listen, we're able to be rational, we're able to, you know, be connected and make sense of what's happening. And, and, you know, so, so it's, it's really actually happening in the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm Sweet. Well, I hope this has been helpful. For yeah, people. I think it has. Well, it's been helpful for me. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that fact about the listening gets uh, yeah. dimmed or that's awesome. Yeah. Like that makes a lot Doesn't it? of sense. Right. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, wanting to have this conversation and see your beautiful face. And um, is there anything that you want people to know what you're up to? And sure. 
Um, so I, you know, I'm seeing individuals and couples. Um, I have a, um, like a little webinar, a little video about three game-changing communication tools to enhance your relationship. And you can go to my website and sign up for my newsletter and have access to that little video. Um, some people have said that's been helpful. Nice. I have circling still going on locally, but everything is on my website. Mm. Um, so uh, folks can connect with me there. Mm. Yes. Nice. So are you going to meet your honey? What's that? Are you going to meet your honey tonight? No, I'm going to go to my where my daughter, I'm going to meet him later, but um, my daughter works at a restaurant here, so I'm going to go have dinner oh, while nice. she's working Sweet. and have a little uh, connection with her and then go home and see my honey later. Mm, sweet. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kathy. Enjoy that. Thank you. Yeah. And you enjoy your time too. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.